Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wing It Formula One podcast. I'm Freddie Coates, and I'm joined by Nigel Chu and Adam Dickinson to look ahead to the return of the Turkish Grand Prix. We haven't had a Turkish Grand Prix since 2011, and due to coronavirus, we now have a 2020 return to the intercity Istanbul Park. How are you guys? Nigel, you, you having a good day? Yes, as always. It's a very good day, yeah. Very good day. That's nice. Adam, is your day going well as well? You know how it is, Freddie. It's always sunny in Sheffield. And yet again, it's cloudy. So yes, I'm having a great day. Ah, brilliant. Everyone loves the weather. Um, okay, so let's get straight into it then. We're coming back to Turkey. Do you guys really like it there? I think it's one of the tracks that always pops up when people say, what track do we want back? And everyone says, Turkey. So do you want, are you one of those Turkey lovins? Yes. I, I actually think this is going to be the end of people asking for Turkey to come back. I think that's cool. I think it will not live up to expectations, and then people will be like, oh, "Actually, yeah, do we really need it? Probably not." So, well, yeah, you know, normally I am a big Turkey lover. I think this could be potentially kind of the time when that stops and F1 moves on from Istanbul Park. I mean, yeah, of course, F1 fans are very fickle people. And as soon as there's one wet race at Hockenheim, they think it has to be every track on the calendar. So <laughs> does, does that... it not? <laughs> um, so maybe that will strike the Turkish Grand Prix this year. Um, we're going to go straight into some calendar news that has just been unveiled by Formula One officially. We, it's been rumoured and reported recently, and we've spoken about it. The 23-race calendar... Saudi Arabian Grand Prix coming on at the end of the year. What is interesting is the lack of a Vietnamese Grand Prix only a year after it was scheduled to happen in the first place. Oh, what a shame. With no Vietnamese race. Nigel, you seem really upset. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay with the lack of a Vietnamese Grand Prix? Oh, only just, all right, yeah. It's such a massive, massive, it's not a massive disappointment. I, mean, I don't really care, to be honest. It might be a bit of an interesting track, but you know, I wasn't too hyped over it, I guess. I'd rather go to, to where, like Turkey or Imola or somewhere like that. Uh, I do think new trucks are a good thing, but I don't think F1 needs another street circuit, personally. Uh, and yeah, I don't think Vietnam offered anything, anything too spectacular. And, I, and the track looked... It was just a weird track. And yes, that could be a good thing because you've got to look at Baku. But I don't know. I, just, I was just never a fan of how it, how it looked, I guess. So I know I'm not, I'm not too disappointed. I think I'm disappointed that we don't get to go there. I mean, I wasn't really looking forward to it. I didn't think it would be a great race. But I kind of feel disappointed that having gone through all of the effort to get it on the calendar and, you know, we're kind of deprived of a chance to see whether it would be good because, you know, like you mentioned with Baku, a lot of people probably wouldn't have, you know, rated that before it came on the calendar. But actually, you know, it's one of the one of the more original tracks on the calendar, I think, anyway. Um, so, while I don't think it would have been a great race, I'm kind of sad, disappointed that we won't get a chance to actually see that in action. Yeah, I'm in the camp with you, Adam. I think it's a bit... A bit of, I mean, it was, we were only three weeks away from it happening when we were in Melbourne last year. And it, 
it was it was on the card. The track was ready to go for a Grand Prix, and unfortunately, it's never got to happen. And all the work that's gone into it, all the rigmarole, is just going to be left on the wayside. Which, yeah, we shouldn't be judging Formula One based on the workload because then we probably would still be going to Korea or India or something like that because they've built tracks there. But um, yeah. I, I feel it's still, Vietnam it's still a shame that he don't doesn't get doesn't get its chance. It had one chance, and that was ruined by coronavirus. And yeah, the the guy, the promoter behind it, has been arrested for corruption charges. We can gloss over that. Um, um, <laughs> we're, we're, that's not this podcast's remit um, often. And um, but it, it would have been cool to see real life Formula One cars there because now it's just going to feature as an Easter egg on a game, isn't it? My problem is, is I think it would have ended up like South Korea or India, and it's just a waste of time and a waste of money. I really do not think Vietnam would have stayed on for the long term. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a chance it could have done because it would be a destination Grand Prix. You've got a Grand Prix in the city. You've got a Grand Prix in Hanoi, uh, a, an amazing city for people to travel to or for people to find to travel to. The thing with uh, Yeongam for South Korea was they were going to try and bring the, bring the city to South Korea, <laughs> to the circuit, and that never really happened. It's happened a bit with Shanghai, but only 10 years later. And the, the Buddha International Circuit in India was miles away from anything. And those are the ones that have fallen off the calendar. Like you've got Barcelona still there because it's, it's near Barcelona. Budapest is called Budapest because it's near Budapest. There's a destination Grand Prix. Yeah, I, I think it, as far as I know, the corruption charges weren't related to the Grand Prix itself. I think, okay. I think it was yeah. funny. Um, but... You know, I, I agree, you know, there are tracks that F1 have gone to, like the ones you've just listed, and either, well, it not being a good race and they've left, or it not being a good race and they've stayed, like Sochi. But, um, <laughs> you know, I just think, you know, for everyone involved, for Vietnamese fans or fans in the area that would have wanted to go to it, they now get deprived of that chance as well. So, you know, well... If, if we'd gone there and it was bad and we left after a year or two years, you know, I think fair enough. But I think it's a shame that they will never get to kind of have that chance and see and have raced on the circuit and see, you know, see what it does. And like Freddie says, you know, it could have, it could have surprised us and, you know, very possibly could, you know, become a classic on the calendar or, you know, something that fans, fans want to go to. I think um, what will be interesting to see is what takes its place because it hasn't just been dropped from the calendar and removed to be a 22 race calendar um, with, a, with a gap in the middle or someone moving forward in the way that we've seen Sochi be in the fourth race gap or Baku be in that position in the past before they've remained. Sochi's remained at the end of this, no, close to the end of the season. Baku has remained um, post Monaco. So we should be interested to see Baku back to back with Monaco. Anyway, I think. Um, what do you think will take up the gap? Uh, Portimao was trending in the UK yesterday um, after the announcement. I think people really want to see that track return. Um, do we think there's um, going to be a few pitches for a few other tracks, maybe a Mugello or um, another track to have popped up in 2020, for instance, Istanbul Park? It's mm. a good Kyle question. Army. Kyle <laughs> Army would be cool. Sepang. Sepang, yeah. Sepang, yeah. Yes, Sepang. Go to Sepang, yes. Overrated Adam, do, you want to, do you want to pitch Sepang to um, Stefano Domenicali? Yeah, it always produced good races 
And I think it's still, unlike perhaps Turkey, you know, we'll have to um, reserve judgment until we see the race. But I think, you know, it'd still be suited, still be good for today's F1 cars. I think it'd still produce great races, still produce races that mix things up. And, you know, it was a Hot not race. a unique challenge, but yeah, a different challenge, popular with fans. People still want it back. Go there, Stefano. Please. Nigel Chu, what, what, what track are you, you know going to I'm actually going to agree with that. I do like Sepang. Uh, what, my serious answer is it will be the track which offers the most money. Because F1 likes Ooh. money, don't they? <laughs> uh, no, I think it'll be Portimao. Yeah, I think well, Just because uh, logistically, I think it'll be easier with it next to Spain. Uh, and out of all the new and returning tracks this year, I think. Portuguese Grand Prix will be a good thing for F1. I don't know. I might throw Nürburgring into the mix. Mm. Nürburgring was all right this year. I enjoyed it a lot. And I think um, it's, it'd be a good Grand Prix to have, really. A German Grand Prix. Because Hockenheim, I think, isn't on this new schedule. Mm. Um, so why not, why not bring back a German Grand Prix? That's I think, my pitch. I think we rated Portimao as one of the worst races of the season, I think. Yeah. I think we rated it as the worst returning track. Yeah. So, yeah, I... I, uh, I don't That's know, why maybe, it would maybe, be Portimao. Maybe it's just a kind of one-off um, one-off racing, you know, it'll be better in the future, but I kind of wouldn't get too excited. I'd much rather see Nürburgring go, but I'd also rather see Nürburgring men, maybe at a different time in the calendar. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's Vietnam and Saudi Arabia with the two kind of countries, not traditional F1 countries or not European countries who were like throwing a lot of money at getting a circuit. I can't think of many. I mean, there's the it's, Miami. Yeah, it's not amazing. Thrown around, it's but not there's not an amazing many... track record for Liberty on getting tracks onto the calendar. They've done well with, with coronavirus and COVID to mm. get last minute European tracks, but the the big ventures they've had, which have been um, Miami, which has just been bouncing up and down all over the place, is still not on a provisional calendar, um, as Adam bounces up and down. We've got <laughs> Vietnam, had, had its one opportunity and now is off the calendar because presumably it can't match the funds or something, I'm presuming. Um, Zanfort is still yet to come, to be fair. We have got Zanfort on the way. There's nothing, nothing has been done to quell Zanfort. Um, but it's not the best record for for tracks. Returning. I disagree with that. They brought back France. Yeah, no one likes it. France was <laughs> France was signed by Bernie anyway. Was it? Yeah, mm. it was signed in twenty sixteen, seven early. Yeah, late twenty sixteen was France. Uh, let me think. But we should be for Ricard anyway. It should be at Magni Cour. There didn't seem Magny to be. Magni Cour is lovely. I like Magni Cour. No, I'm Debate, sorry. Go. Magni Cour is a great track. It's worse than Paul Ricard. People don't like Magni Cour because it's in the middle of nowhere. Freddie gives the pitch for Magni Cour. I think you can't overtake. You can overtake. Nigel, your your chances. They did overtake. The cars overtook each other. (laughs) Freddie, give your pitch for Magni Cour, and then Nigel can respond. Oh wow, we're doing like a a formal debate. Should I say like, (laughs) go? Um, I think Magni Cour is a brilliant little track. It's quite. It's not very old school, but it's got the old school vibes to it um which what is what poor card tries to recreate and doesn't 
Um, I know this isn't a, a fight between Manny Cor and Pora Card because we can both accept that Pora Card is a dull blue and red ball fest. But um, I think Magni Cor is a proper good challenge, and I think it's it's just a track where you look at a car on there, it looks like it's kind of on the edge where it's spinning around. It's like a it's like a go kart track um, for a, for a Formula One car, and yeah, I think it's medium to high speed, pretty good. And a modern car like this, I think it'd be great. You no, cannot overtake, especially with the cars now. Imagine the cars now, well, like, even with DRS and whatever. It would be virtually impossible to make an overtake. And plus it would be one You stop, can overtake. You get a really long, day. fast bit going up to the hairpin around where it is, turn three or four, going all long round up into that car. Can, yeah, it would be in the wash a bit, but then if it opens up the DRS onto the hairpin, then they will be able to get past. The straight's too short. Uh, plus, back in the day, at least you could do a three or four pit stop race because the pit lane was short. Whereas nowadays, it will just be one stop, I, I, I presume. So maybe the problem uh, is with Formula One, not with the Magni Corps. Yes, the problem is Formula One. Formula One is. So Nigel wants to go back to Magni Corps because it's Formula One's that the problem, not Magni Corps. Thanks, Nigel. Um, I think, but I think there's also looking at the wider market. There's not like Oman or the Democratic Republic of Congo or I don't know. There's not some like, you know, big exotic country that's kind of really lining up to throw, you know, really wants to put a race together. Now we've got Saudi Arabia on the right, Saudi Arabia will have two races and by twenty twenty three. Yeah, but you know, I just don't the European Grand Prix. It's it's surely <laughs> gotta be either Sepang or, you know, one of the European ones that are featured this year to fill it. I think Formula like the One Indianapolis trying to speak to Argentina. Mm, yeah. Indianapolis would be fun. Indianapolis would be very cool and Roger Penske has been showing around John Tot at this year's Indy 500 a couple of months ago. Um, so there, there probably is um, some spe- I think they did think that Cota might fall off the calendar actually so it might just be for a contingency plan for that. But um, mm. that's, that's probably a story for a podcast in the future. Um, I think there's a lot of, they were speaking to Argentina Buenos Aires bringing that back hasn't been a Grand Prix since the 90s um, but I think that was only really minor discussions I think we're not really going to get many big hitters many cool countries for Formula 1 I think it is going to be where the money is for the next two years while Formula 1 financially recovers from a year with the majority of the Grand Prix having zero attendance and the majority of them falling off the wayside. At least they've managed to get the TV money in, which is why we've where, still got four races and it's November. But Where is the money, though? What Out of the mean? tracks we've mentioned, which, which would offer the most money for F1 to go there next year? Probably Portimao, I'd say. Hmm. I reckon they could get be the most likely to get a fund together. I think, yeah, German, the German tracks have proved that they can't get a fund together. Um, yeah. it's gonna, you're going to need a lot more money to get someone like Mugello on board when you've got Monza. Portimao's got, I think, the most unique um, prospect going for it. I just think they, I just don't think they would want to have it back-to-back with Catalonia. Mm. Yeah. Barcelona, yeah, it's on the other side of Spain to where Portugal is, but it's there's a geographical market that they want that they'll want Formula One to have this bit of the year with Spain and Portugal 
and then they'll think we come back later, we can get them again and get two Grand Prix rather than having some, oh, I'll go to Grand Prix this week, not next week. If you say you live bang in the middle of Spain. Well, it depends if there's fans. I mean, I, I will be, I'll be surprised yeah. if, if, there, if all 23 races happen next year, to be honest. What do you think would fall off? Australia. I'll Australia, be, I, yeah. I, At the moment, I'll be surprised if Australia does begin the season. Do you not think there'll be a contingency plan to put Australia at the end? Australia are trying to get fans in. Yeah. Or, or in April, they could shuffle it through. It'd be I quite think, late, yeah. though. But It'd be quite late, Australia but they would still only be in China. They would be in it would be Bahrain, China, yeah. and then Australia, and Australia. then got two weeks to get over to Spain, but that's what they do from testing anyway. Mm. Yeah. No. yeah. That's not a bad idea, actually. I still think Sepang. Yeah. There's lots of cool tracks we could have, but I kind of probably think they'd probably just move Australia a couple of month, a month later. That seems to be the most logical option now you've mentioned it. I might mm. just beef it forward a few months and it'll be fine. What's coronavirus? <laughs> um, or start with USA. Start with USA and then have Australia. Swap, so yeah, swap USA and Australia. Anyway. That's yeah. not a lockdown. This <laughs> is a lockdown. Is this your dream calendar, Nigel? Back when no, I, that, this is generally what I think will happen. That's cool. Well, yeah, we've got a few a few months, but it was touch and go for 2020. There's no reason why it won't be touch and go for 2021. We haven't really got much word on testing yet either. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, out of, just quickly, out of these 23 or 22 races confirmed so far, how many do we like? Out of the circuits on the calendar, how many oh. do each of us like? Do you run through them and give a rating? <laughs> yeah. I reckon quickly. I like about 15. There's too many races for a start. Far too many. I mean, yeah, there's 52 weeks in a year. There's 23 races. Yeah, it's too many. <laughs> there's only a, f- <laughs> a few weeks off being half the year being a Formula One Grand Prix. Every that's, race, that's the dream. Two weeks apart, slightly different <laughs> format. I've had like two or three mm. different formats across the year. I do quite like double headers. I like double header, triple headers. Like uh, I feel three, bad. Two or three triple headers here across. Oh the yeah, three not that continents and countries. I think every every race being two weeks apart would feel a bit empty for me. I'd rather. Is how it used to be. Throw, throw in a few. Yeah, no, but you know, so back then I'd think eh, it wasn't. You know, I think oh, I could do with a race. I think throwing a few double headers, no triple headers. And yeah, you're sorted. Formula One in 2018. Well, let's try a triple header and see what happens. But it's fine. They're countries that are really close together because it's Austria, France, and the UK. And then they said in 2018, don't worry, you won't do that again. We know it was really mean on the teams. So, so now they've got one going from Russia to Suzuka. And is it Singapore that it's involved with as well? Yeah. Uh, Russia, Singapore, Suzuka, yeah. Yeah, and that's just, that's going to be a bit of a burnout, isn't it? You kind of think mm. by the end, once you're on Suzuka, is a track that requires full concentration, and everyone is going to be tired off their noggin. They're not going to be able to concentrate at all. You kind of don't want fatigue to be impacting the drivers too much. I'm not too fussed about the drivers, to be honest. It's more about the team. Mechanics. And... Yeah, you're right. Nine, yeah, nine, nine races in 12 weeks across what, four continents. It's somewhere in the middle of the season. I can't remember which bit for next year. Mm. They try to they try to limit it by adding the curfews and say you can't work into the night because you'll get fined that kind of thing. You've got two curfews allowed per season to in case you need to rebuild the car, which wasn't the case. You used to get mechanics getting two or three hours sleep on a Grand Prix weekend, and that was it. That was only until about ten years ago that was the case. Um, but 
it still doesn't doesn't limit it and even if you do two day weekends for a triple header you're still the the fatigue comes from the pack up and the travel and going to different places they did a two day weekend in Imola the reason behind it being to give them time to travel from Portugal to Imola which is interesting because they've not really thought about it like that before but um, they're all they were everyone was just milling around Imola on Wednesday anyway my, my problem with the long calendar is F1 being F1 we haven't had many championship fights recently so then if yeah. Hamilton or Mercedes does dominate it, the second half of the season just becomes so dragging like this weekend and the final few races I'm not really looking forward to them as much as I should be almost. Whereas well, at, at least a 15 to 18 race calendar, it makes it feel a bit more, it makes each event feel more unique and it doesn't draw out the season, especially especially if there is no championship fight, which we haven't had for, what, for four years. Yes, 17 and 18 were close to the first 12 races. 2016 was the last championship fight we really yeah. had. Um, and then yeah. we, haven't, we haven't had a championship fight between two teams since 2012. So. It brings us nicely on to the point that Lewis Hamilton can wrap up the Formula One World Championship for 2020, bringing him his oh, yeah. world title, his world drive, seventh world driver's title this weekend at the Turkish Grand Prix, which will be interesting because it's not Mexico where he seems to wrap up every other title. Um, I think how much, how many points do you need to score? Is it like four more points than Bottas to do it? Or eight? One of the two. Is it fourth place or a You can't lose by eight. So uh, if Bottas wins oh there's the fastest lap thing though that's going to annoy <laughs> the fastest lap makes it a bit more complicated if he come, if he win, if he comes second and Bottas doesn't get the fastest lap then yeah he wins there we are well then. I mean it feels likely if he doesn't if he loses by eight or more then he'll just win next weekend you know it's not or next round it's not it's a, a massive formality, thing it's just, yeah, just whether he wins it in Turkey or not. I reckon the Kingdom of Bahrain would absolutely adore the championship to be won in Bahrain. Um, yeah. But I think it'd be weird if it was won in Turkey. A Grand Prix you weren't even going to be going to until <laughs> quite late. Mm. We, we were probably, I don't know when it was announced, but it was really late that Turkey was announced. Mm. Um, Might be a good metaphor for the year, though. He wins, wins the championship in a country that wasn't even going to host it until about two months ago yeah another interesting fight is obviously the constructor fight for third um we have Renault on 135 and then McLaren and Racing Point on 134 points both of them on the same on the same number that is incredibly close going into the final few rounds um although I don't think it will remain this close I think Renault are going to walk it oh Oh, I mean, it's impossible to say. There's nothing between them. It's literally coming down to the finest margin to set up a bit of luck, the strategy, the drivers being on top of their game. There's, it's impossible to call. I really, really don't know who, yeah, who's going to come out on top. Yeah, it's kind of teams have good week, good weekends and bad weekends. You know, they didn't. There's not too much consistency within the fight, I don't think. I'd, That's where I, I think, think Renault. I think it's between Racing Point and Renault. I don't think McLaren are going to get it. I if you track it, the... Oh, 
I was just going to say, I think it's going to be whoever I said in like the podcast we did a few races ago. <laughs> I can't remember that. <laughs> I, think, I, I said it would be whoever gets the least amount of retirements. Yeah. And so far. I think we all went for different teams just for fun. But... Was it yeah. fun? Um, <laughs> I Tell think us in the comments that... below. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think Renault, because I think Renault have had the most sort of consistent haul of points recently because they were far behind coming into like round five or six with Renault and McLaren were far ahead and Racing Point has sort of just been a bit steady um, with it since then. McLaren have probably been the worst since then and Renault have been the best since then and the momentum currently in performance and results is with Renault. Um, although they did miss the chance to win and both teams, all of them missed the chance to win in Monza. Um which would probably, which well, which would have put them sitting pretty, but and Racing Point obviously have had their fifteen point deduction, but that's granted, that's worth it. So, um, it's it's close, and I just, but I just think Renault have got the momentum behind them. They've had the results recently. I, I think, I think Bahrain Alta is going to be the decider because it will be a, a slipstream fest until the line. Yeah, hopefully, but okay. yeah, I th- I just think. I think whoever has it coming out of that will be the uh, be the one to take it home in I mean, Abu Dhabi. Even this weekend, if Renault, McLaren, or Racing Point, if they both get a high double points for this, should get fourth and fifth, fourth and sixth, or podium, whatever, uh, for two cars. I still don't think it's it's going to be a true reflection because it's a new track. The track's been resurfaced, just like it was at Portimao, and Portimao was chaos quite frankly with McLaren did well early on and stuff in the in the race. Uh yeah, so even if one of those teams has a I don't know, a ten point margin after this weekend, I still think it or any of them could win because Turkey won't be representative of Bahrain or Abu Dhabi like at all. They're all going to be completely different tracks. They're all going to provide mm. completely different challenges. Even the Bahrain layouts. Yeah, they're both power tracks, but um, all three teams have performed well at power tracks and non-power tracks, to be honest. Um, Renault, obviously, at a high downforce Nürburgring, got a podium, um, but also performed really well at Silverstone, which you'd have down as a power track. But then, obviously, McLaren were were second and fourth on the grid or something. like No, third and fourth on the grid in Monza, which you would, everyone was tipping to be... Renault stomping ground and Racing Point have just been there all the time with Perrot and which brings us on to an interesting point about Lance Stroll which we'll get on to into a second um, so it is it's, it's impossible to call but I just think Renault have been doing a bit better None, there's only been one weekend all year when all three of the teams have got a double points finish it's, it's just yeah there's it's not, what? yeah anyone want to guess Austria too. No. Okay. So you're saying McLaren haven't had a... a, a no, had there's... A, all three teams have had yeah, a double point. Yeah, all three teams all three. have had a double right, point. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh. you know, okay. it, it's just, you know... That's not... Every team is getting a set... You know, one of the three teams is getting a setback every weekend. So, mm. you know, it's just kind of... And, I mean, McLaren did you take has... up six spots out of the 10? And you've already got the top mm. three. So That's six spots out of the 20, if you yeah. count the whole grid. But, you know, McLaren <laughs> had great reliability or kind of great 
consistency in finishing the races for a lot of the mm. season and they had three retirements in a row yeah in the dns so uh, you know every i think their weekend, first non-point the finish back. i think mclaren's first non-point finish i think was sochi um i think uh, i think i mean so that's that's re- uh, on the face of it that's really the answer sochi no the answer what? is monza Oh, was it? Sorry, I wasn't listening. No, um, Carlos Sainz drove into the wall at the start of the race because he couldn't be bothered. (laughs) Since since Monza, none of the teams have had... Well, there's been a retirement from one of the three in every race as well. Often there's been a retirement from each of the teams. It's Mm. like, you know, it's completely completely up in the air. What would I like to see? Yeah, I think... I'll go back Renault for it. Bringing it back to the start. Yeah, and Racing Point have really been um, batting one-handed. I don't know if that's a phrase. Um, I'm going to make it a phrase. Well, it depends how good, good you are at cricket or baseball with one hand. One hand is rounders anyway, so I guess they're just playing rounders. Oh, is it? Is that, oh, is that the difference? I've always wondered what the difference is. In rounders, it's not a disadvantage to bat one-handed. Yeah, that's a good oh, point. Okay. Oh. Renault have been playing, not Renault, <laughs> Racing Point have been playing rounders when they should be playing cricket. And um, now, it's, now it's a disadvantage. Um, and that's the segue into Lance Stroll's recent performances. Um, he obviously hasn't performed amazingly since his return to Formula One after his COVID diagnosis following the Nürburgring week- weekend, which he didn't take part in. Um, and Racing Point have finally sort of conceded that there might be a sort of long COVID kind of issue going on here. He might have, um, might still be feeling a bit of illness and fatigue when he's driving the car, um, which is quite a serious situation for, for him. Um, they also came out and said he needs a hug, which if he's got COVID stuff, maybe yeah, not, but not um, you kind of think it's not the Perhaps best position to race point. Yeah, both both people in hats and suits, and then there's no transmission. Yeah, I guess it kind of defeats the um, the the care you get from the hug when you're sort of wearing plastic and a massive mask on your head and yeah, and a hazmat. It's a hazmat suit. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, I'm, you, you're you're bringing problems. I'm bringing solutions. What can I say? <laughs> Is that what you're, you're going to go and find? You're going to go to Turkey and give Lance Stroll a hug in a hazmat suit and give him a hug, hazmat suit. No, because I've got uni. But I would if I didn't. See, you're just bringing more problems, not bringing solutions, Adam. Um, That's true. I think there's no answer for Lance Stroll then. He's just going to unfortunately need to get better. (laughs) (laughs) He he has had a bit of a dire run of form, but I think his pace, I don't really know. It's a hard one to, is it a cop-out to link it to COVID or not? What do we think? Uh, I don't, I really don't think his season has been as great as quite a lot of people think. I really don't. Uh, I just think the circumstances a car he's got has allowed him to get some good results, you know, the best results of his career. But that's because he's got a good car, not because of him. That's, that is my opinion on someone like a straw. Uh, I, so, yes, this... The, the COVID obviously hurt his momentum, perhaps his confidence. But I still 
because I don't think it's that far off like compared to how he normally performs anyway. I just think Racing Point don't have the advantage that they had earlier in the season and Stroll's been found out uh, by lacking that last tenth in qualifying or uh, or the bit of racecraft he needs in the race to make an overtake when he's got a better car than uh, his rivals ahead. So that, that's my take. There have been suggestions that he hasn't. Sorry, there have been suggestions that he hasn't gelled with the recent suspension upgrade um, as well as Perez has, um, and that's sort of made his performances more recently uh, drop off a bit. And obviously, around the, the um, Russian Grand Prix, that kind of time, Perez was ahead, but Stroll had the upgrades. Um, and even when, when Perez got the upgrades, he was more ahead. So that kind of lends itself to your point of view there, Nigel, because he was performing well at the start of the season and he obviously qualified a brilliant third in, uh, in Budapest. Because of the car. Because of the car. But he still got that, that bunch above Perez is the point there, yeah, is what yeah. I'm making. Um, and he was still there with Perez in Barcelona. Um, mm. So I think well, he hasn't turned Perez... the car as much as the season's gone on, I think. Yeah, Perez has had you no know, COVID as well and stuff. Uh, mm. Yeah, you know. that's a good point. Actually, yeah, Barcelona was his return. And he, he was able to bounce back in a way. So, yeah. well, Stroll's not scored a point since Monza. So, to take your cricket analogy, he's had a good first <laughs> 10 overs and then <laughs> they bowled maidens at him for the next five. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, he's not... It's just completely dropped off a cliff. And he's got to be worried and the team has to be worried because they've taken a big kind of gamble backing him. And then basically since they've backed him and hired him for next year, even though laughably F1 put out a tweet of which place is still up for grabs in the driving market and he wasn't compared <laughs> to Aston Martin. So there's a lot of comedy comments under that. But, you know, they've taken kind of a big step to back him and you know, they've got to be kind of worried that it will blow back in their face, especially because Vettel doesn't kind of look like coming in and smashing it out of the park either. So yeah. it's quite, you know, there's reasons to be worried a lot for next year and they just can't. Yeah. It's Racing Points management who are being hit for six now because you've got um, yeah, another cricket, cricket thing in there. Um, because, yeah, Vettel's performances have been atrocious. Frankly, he, he did. I just want to say on the stroll, there's yeah. a, a lot being made about you know the crash of the Jello when he was running fourth, doing a pretty good race actually. Uh, that was a very that was his best drive of the year, I think. Mm, yeah, and whether the crash has affected him and stuff. But I always think drivers who make a big mistake, and yes, this one wasn't actually no, this wasn't his fault. So correct no. Uh Drivers who have a big crash. Yeah. Uh, whether it's their fault or not, in this case it wasn't good because they didn't make a mistake. The good drivers are able to bounce back straight away or, or nearly straight away. So, you know, because it, 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 to me it says a lot about their character and how talented they are, which is why I think, you know, for George Russell, the next couple of races, I'm really interested to see how he goes because he, he had a big moment uh, last time out at Imola. Yes. Uh, so, you know, for Stroll to not be able to bounce back, I think I just it's just, it's those little things which which uh, 
gives me the opinion that I have on, on him. Yeah, I think, you know, the great, great batsmen have a run of low scores and then go out and make a seven-three just like that. <laughs> they just they will turn it off. Um, <laughs> so, you know, think of Alistair Cook or, you know, he's just got that ability. And it's the same in F1. And I just wanted to put another cricket reference in there. There wasn't any point to me saying that. But I, I'm glad I did. But Nigel, you're absolutely right. And there's, there's a, it's not sometimes with a crash. It's, it's not having the crash. It's how you crash and that kind of thing. And I, I look at Hockenheim last year and Hamilton, well, when Bottas crashed at turn one and put himself out of the race at Hockenheim, Hamilton had spun there in a nearly carbon copy move and been able to hold the car and carry on. And they made a near identical mistake. The car spun in the same way and Bottas hit the wall. Hamilton didn't. And I know it's, it's a really awkward thing to make comparisons with, but Hamilton's the world-class driver out of the two. And... Bottas is the one who leaves a lot to be desired. And there's a reason that some drivers are great, and it's how they deal with these situations. And like you say, when a driver doesn't bring himself back up to the, to the form he needs to, then it's, yeah, it's, it's a mark against a whole season of his, the whole, what should be the best season of his career. This is why I rate Bottas so highly, though, because he's, getting, he's up against Hamilton and he does get beat frequently yet every time he's able to bounce back and qualify whether yes sometimes he's a tenth behind but sometimes he's a tenth ahead and yeah that's why I rate him high look at Carlos Sainz you know he's not exactly the greatest driver on the grid he had a big crash at Sochi uh, which was completely his fault a complete brain fade but he's he's been doing all right he's been back back on not top form but he's uh, yeah not because Portugal is all right but yeah he's yeah, you know, been back on form as well since his crash. So I really do think those key moments define a driver's career, and it tells me personally a lot about how good they actually are. What also came out with the calendar news that we mentioned earlier was some additions to Formula Two and Formula Three with their calendars. Obviously, they're both running separate calendars this year rather than running concurrently on the Formula One season. They are all support events to Formula One, but in their own right, and those calendars have been interestingly received um formula two has a provisional calendar with um bahrain monaco baku silverstone monza sochi Jeddah in saudi and abu dhabi and that will feature three rounds at each of those events as a support series it's not really been received that well it's not a very diverse calendar and it seems to be a bit weird yeah, I think good, it's going good job well for not swearing Monza. there, Freddie, because I would have if I was presenting. <laughs> I think it's going well up to Monza. I think there's quite a nice mix of, obviously, you know, Saki, a big new Tilka circuit that people like, Silverstone and Monza, two old ones, you know, provide different challenges. And then, obviously, Baku and Monaco also provide unique challenges. And they're good for F2, those two tracks, actually. F2 goes really well at Monaco yeah. and Baku, I think. So, you know, I think that's really good. You get a good mix there and then you get the triple header. I mean, not actually a triple header, but Sochi, Jeddah and Yas Marina, which is two, one track that's the street circuit ever. that we've not been to and two are kind of hybrid-y, strange race circuits that should be street circuits designed by Tilka that are awful and everyone hates. So 
it drops off a bit after Monza. So maybe we should just cut it off at Monza and say like whoever's winning there is the champion and then just do like three exhibition races after that. <laughs> oh, God. Well, it depends on how the Jetta track turns out. I'm, my mindset is I think it will be a bit like the Baku track. Um, and if it is similar to that, I don't know what Jetta is like at all as a city, but they're doing it by the coastline in like a quite a resorty kind of area. So presumably they know what they're doing with it. Um, and I reckon it could be similar to Baku if it is going through a bit of old town, going through a bit of new town, then it might be all right. But later on in the season, it'd be a complete curveball of a track to have that late on. And it is going to be nine races from Sochi to Yas Marina. So there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of points to pick up there. So it's still important. And it just gets that weird part of F2, like we've had this year, where it's just sort of hanging around and it's not like the full season as it has been prior to in the European season where it's got F2 as well we've got F2 as well and you're always watching there for the F2 weekend as well as the Formula 1 weekend whereas we're now in that weird sort of limbo phase between the the chunk of the championship and just the 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 signing off of the championship really so it's going to be a bit weird I think a bit weird just in that kind of period from a championship point of view I think if you put in so the last three of the F3 are Spa, Zandvoort and Austin. Yeah. I think if you put in Spa and Austin instead of Sochi and Yas Marina, and you're right, Jeddah is a curveball and it might be interesting to kind of see how it goes. If you had that, that would be absolutely mega. That would be such a good calendar for it. Mm. You'd have different tracks, different types of tracks, like ones that people like. You know, that would be great. But yeah, it's just a really damp end. And as you say, there's going to be a massive waiting around period the room mill's going to be going into overdrive so the yeah. f the f2 calendar is probably one of the worst calendars that i've ever seen in motorsport it is absolutely <laughs> horrific i i mean eight venues across 10 9 10 months for a, a series that is going to go around the globe it's ridiculous and i understand why it's happening i understand because of the economic cost but if it's going to be if they're struggling financially why doesn't F1 help? It's like the Premier League. They should help the lower leagues, the Championship League, One League, Two, Non-League. If F2 and F3 are really struggling that much, get F1 to help and don't have a calendar like this. In Bahrain, I mean, the tire, it's just tyre management crazy. And you're not able to see the true talents of the drivers because of because you're just saving tyres. And you've got Monaco, which is just qualified. You can't overtake. Baku is just chaos. And who knows what happens. The Silverstone ones are, yeah, they're good. But in the last three races, Sochi, probably the worst track, one of the worst tracks in the world. Jeddah, I mean, why, why, is, why would you go to Saudi Arabia? And then Abu Dhabi is, uh, I hate that track as well. And it's just, I mean, there's, there's two month gaps in between round one and two. And there's another two month gap uh, from. Sochi to Jeddah as well. So everyone's going to forget what's happened. I mean, I've, I've nearly forgot what's happened in this year's F2 season because it's been such a big gap. The worst thing to have in a calendar is two or three month gaps in between races. And we've got it twice for this. And for a series that's going to go round the world, effectively, or Asia and Europe, you can't be having this. You've got to have more tracks. You've got to have at least 10 minimum. I'd, I'd say, for, for a series that goes outside Europe. If they need money, F1 should help them. Because this, 
his calendar. It's, it's actually put me off F2 for next year. But I mean, it's just an anti-Nigel calendar. They've just made it to annoy Nigel. The F1 you, you can tell he's from Wigan, is... can't you? You can tell he's annoyed <laughs> about what's happened to Wigan in the past few months. Oh. The F1 calendar's got two oh. more. Oh. 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 You went all north, you went ink calendar at one point. That was cool, I like that. Um. <laughs> yeah, the F1 think... calendar's got the opposite problem. And this is just taking it to a new level. And it really is. Is it's a mockery. Like, I, I enjoy the form of the podcast where Adam and I are relatively optimistic about it and think, <laughs> well, hmm, okay. And then we just sort of stop talking for a bit and then Nigel chimes in and rants for about five minutes on it. I think we're going to use that format for the F3 calendar now. So, Adam, let's well, talk about I, the F3 just calendar. Um, kind of a thing, just a point on both of them, is yeah. I'd imagine for saving cost, then the length of time that the length of the season in terms of months will also be quite a big factor because, you know, I don't know how drivers' contracts work, kind of where they're employed to and from. But I just would have thought it's basically, it's pretty much the same length as the F1 calendar in terms of months. And, you know, they could have chopped kind of three months off either side by just, you know, compressing, you know, having different first and last races. I think that would have been good. What do you want to say about the F3 calendar? I was just going to run through it. Um, Go for it. And yeah, we've got Barcelona, um, Paul Ricard, uh, Austria. What's start? Yeah. That's good. This jumps around a bit, but then it has, does have a run in the middle. You have, the, you have uh, France, then Austria, then you've got Hungary, Spa, Zanvor, Austin, as you said. And that's a, a more diverse calendar. It's more compressed. It starts later, ends earlier, but that's traditional for F3. Um, Actually extending it out to Austin is going to be one of the latest ends of F3 there's been in a long time. Um, or, or GP3, whatever you refer to it as. When it did used to go to Yas Marina, but hasn't really recently. Um, so I think, it, I think that works for F3 because it takes out some of the, the Joker tracks like Monza that you always had in F3 and where um, it's just essentially whoever can stay on the track towards the end, which is not really the best for a junior series, which is what we have in most of F2 now, um, as Nigel was alluding to. But I think it's, I think the whole general idea for doing it like this is quite sound. And we will have, um, got to do some math. We'll have 13 rounds um, on the Formula One calendar. 15 13. rounds, 15 oh, rounds seven, with seven support. Plus eight, 7 plus 8 is not 13. <laughs> no. um, this is why I'm not doing engineering. 6 um, times 9. I'll note that question down for when I next do 54. Oh, there we go. Thank you. I, mean, I, you did, know, I had to do the hand thing. You just do. I mean, this colour this calendar isn't immune to massive gaps as well. You've got no. two two month gap between or near two month gap between first and second race and again between the second last and last race i think i'd like to see, see a street circuit in there i think that would be my yeah. one thing you know just put it in and you know it's different i mean they don't have a street circuit in f3 normally anyway do they no but i think going forward i don't know i think yeah, it'd just yeah, be interesting to give a different dynamic to it it'd yeah. be interesting yeah. to do say f3 at baku rather than f2 at hmm. monaco and baku and yeah. then maybe send F2 to Spain or something like that instead, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, the only thing that can make F2 and F3 worse next year is if they have three races which are all like 20 minute sprint races. If they do that, I'm just. Nigel will combust. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll have a podcast straight afterwards and it'll just have like oh, hello and welcome to the and then Nigel will just, it'll be like in Kingsman his head will just explode and fireworks will come out of it that would be beautiful if it was like in Kingsman that was really pretty and they blew up Obama's head in the White House it was in like some like purple cool sort of smoke thing yeah that's what's really going to happen tonight <laughs> we'll turn into a comic book explosion yeah we'll have to we'll have to get it to have to get Nigel to like see it for the first time on air and then just yeah just see it it'll be our first ever live stream it'll be Nigel watching an F3 race or something and the album cut uh, cuts out poster will just like fall slowly off the wall <laughs> well album's been dropped <laughs> to F3 that's where he is he's racing <laughs> and it will just be like that'll be Nigel really close to the camera like that <laughs> like smiling <laughs> <laughs> Do any of you have anything to add on the new calendars for Formula 2 and Formula 3? The F3 one's not too bad. It's still not ideal. Yay, happy Nigel. <laughs> I mean, I quite like the F2 apart from 2, maybe 3 races. You actually like the F2? Not like in terms the of the gap. I think, it's I think the gaps are ridiculous, but I quite like the blend of the first up to Monza. And uh, like Freddie's kind of persuaded me on Jeddah that it will actually be quite interesting seeing you know as a one-off having them at, at a new track learning it seeing how that goes but it might be terrible in 2022 when we decide we hate mm. Jeddah but oh yeah at the moment we can be optimistic or well yeah open-minded how about yeah. you do that Nigel um <laughs> <laughs> and the great joke that calendar colander quite like doing that every now and then but sorry what was what was the joke you just said two words that sounded similar yeah, exactly. That's the point. Cracks me up every time. Is it because lots of um, lots of tracks have fallen through the cracks? Like you have yeah. gaps in a colander? Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so let's bring it back to the Grand Prix that we're having for this Turkish wow, really? preview. <laughs> um, we've discussed a bit about the track. Um, let's fire off some quick, quick predictions. Um, who do you think is going to finish third? Adam, tell me now. Maximum Verstappen. Maximum Verstappen. Nigel Chu, who's going to finish third? Minimum Verstappen. My answer, so I'm probably going to, <laughs> I'm probably going to have Ooh. to go with Hamilton. Oh. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. I was going to say Verstappen as well, but I'll say Bottas. Um, what if we have a crazy race? What if we have like Giovinazzi? I think the midfield will uh, be. I'd madness. be really happy if it was Giovinazzi. I feel like we could just have a crazy race and we'll get, like, just someone, you know, like, Kvyat you or something. You know something. what? Doesn't Joe Vinacci have to, like, shave off his head or hair or something if he gets a podium? Isn't that, isn't <laughs> on that the podium? Like, yeah. I don't know. Just that like, get this trophy and then, like, put like, it on his head his hair's and like then cut around it. Cut around it like a bowl cut and then take the trophy off. Is that where the colander thing comes into it? No. Oh. You know what? With, with the resurfacing and how crazy Portimao was, when that track was resurfaced, Turkey could be quite similar. Plus, we've got uh, two DRS zones, which I don't think they had in 2011. Uh, Where's the second DRS zone? Is it? So the first one's down towards turn 12, the hairpin were weather and metal crash, and then down the main straight. So we could see cars overtaking, then re-overtaking through those last few corners and down to turn one because... It's only a little sub so close together. There's only so, a switchback chicane in between them, really. Yeah, and you can even make a cheeky overtake there sometimes. 
so I think we're going to see some brilliant racing, lots of overtaking, which is a good thing because we didn't get much of that in Imola. Uh, so, I, yeah, I do think if, yeah, I think the midfield is going to be kind of mad. I think it'll be great, the midfield. Yeah. I think you've got wide bits of track. We had that in Portimao, and you had cars going all over the place on that bit of the track. And mm. that would then inspire, if you got DRS into turn one, yeah, you could get a move back through there, but it was hard to actually get an original move traditionally I, there in Turkey. And you if know, to, oh, oh, I was going to oh, if, put a McLaren on the podium. Going to say okay. that. Okay. So Giovinazzi, a McLaren. No, not and Giovinazzi. Maximum Verstappen. Not Giovinazzi. So Verstappen's in third, Giovinazzi's in second, and the McLaren is winning. Giovinazzi's retired. <laughs> uh, and then ancient. loses his seat immediately after the race. <laughs> Sorry, Nigel. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, if turn eight is flat out as well, that will just make racing even better too, because then it will just be like a straight with turns. So. It will be yeah. essentially straight all the way up until, well, you've got the little chicane after at turn nine yeah. and ten, but then that's only a little, little interruption before you get to yeah. 11 and 12, long straight round there, which is quite going to be, I think it's going to be cool. I'm excited it's, to see it. It's, and I it's think, also a warm-up for the Bahrain out to lay off, and if not... I was about to say that, yeah. Cause, Interesting. Cause that's, with, that's cool. With turns that are flat out, like a bit of science here, you actually gain more like because the car had scrubbing off speed, was the car behind still in the slipstream? So if you have a fast turn leading onto a straight that's flat out, that's what creates good racing rather than a slow turn before a lot before a long straight. Well, me and Freddie actually played this on Wii F1 2009 <laughs> a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was quite chaos. I mean, the AI was like on very easy, but yeah, you know, came came through from the back and won. So maybe. Maybe that will repeat itself. Yes, I Don't did. Um, maybe I will win. Um, that's an interesting prediction. So we made a prediction for third. Who's going to get pole? I think Bottas. I want some. I want some. Cool. Um, who and is going to prop race on this track? Hamilton has. Raikkonen Vettel. has. Vettel, Vettel. has. Um, is it? It was before. Perez has. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, might be it. Oh, there's going to be someone yeah. else. There's going to be someone else. Ricardo did a practice Ricard? session. Oh, Sorry. did he? Okay. It was a bit early in the season in 2011, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Bottas raced in GP3, apparently. Oh, I don't, right. know, I don't know the rest of them on Junior Series. Grosjean. No. Grosjean, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's Hamilton, Vettel, Raikkonen and Perez and Ricardo did a practice session. Those are the ones. Yeah, there's not going to be many. Kind of the usual suspects then for returning. Not for Imola. Um, not for Imola, but yeah. For, for like Nürburgring then. Um, that's about it, actually. Um, mm. Anyone else have any random predictions? Do you have any crazy things? Like, I don't know, at turn three, Alonso is going to run onto the track and say boo or something like that. I don't know. Last for Imola, I predicted George Russell would get his first point. And I'm going to predict he's not going to get his first point at Istanbul. What points to Adam? Um, Nigel, do you have any more crazy predictions than Adam's uh, absolutely out there prediction that I'll I, I don't see this. happening? I cannot. I don't. That's unbelievable. That. Eleven well. finishers and Russell is eleventh. 
<laughs> That'll be his best position, though. He's not finished 11th. Oh, he's finished 11th once, isn't it? Yes. Nigel, you want I'll, I'll, Yeah. I think Redder will both get a top five. So Ooh, that's be, cool. Uh, that's a fun prediction. I think, I think the car's quite efficient around this circuit with a straight line. Speed, speed being a big factor. I think that could uh, put them just ahead of the midfield, perhaps. I'll say there'll be a Haas in the points. Why not? I don't know why. I've just I got mean, a I feeling. I can give you reasons why not if you want. <laughs> I can give you reasons why George Russell's definitely going to score points. No, you can't. No, I can't. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, we're now going to move on to the obviously most important and most look forward to part of the podcast ever. And it's the quiz, this week's quiz, the little turkey quiz, the quiz about turkeys. Um, don't worry, there's not actually a question about turkeys because I didn't think of that, but it would have been quite a good idea. Um, so it is Adam Dickinson versus Nigel Chu to go head-to-head. Angry head. Nigel Chu. Angry Nigel Chu, so he's, he's, he's going to be fired up to do well, I guess. Um, Adam, are you fired up to make him angrier? No, I'm icy cold. I'm Kimi Raikkonen on the ice man. Kimi Raikkonen versus... An angry driver. Um, Degrassi. Yeah, Degrassi. Oh, Degrassi, yeah. I like yeah. Degrassi. Oh, you've just complimented him. Now he's not angry anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> all part of the plan, what could I say? Are you ready for question one, gents? No. Yeah. Okay, now I am. Oh, now he is. Okay, cool. We had to wait for that. I'm just writing down your names on the score sheet. Adam and Nigel. When was the first yeah. Turkish Grand Prix? Adam. Nigel. Adam was heard first by me. 2005. Yes, got it just at the death there. I was going to say no, <laughs> it wasn't 2000. But it was. I didn't know how five. long you paused to leave. Because I didn't Nearly want to too long. Get the I nearly wrong. said no. Um, <laughs> it's one point to Adam after one question. I think he might win this. Question two Who won I the first agree. ever race there? Adam. Adam right. said it first. This isn't fair. Adam's been... Right, we've had a little break in between the recordings because Zoom only does 40 minutes and Adam's been watching videos on Kimmy YouTube. Raikkonen. It was Kimi Raikkonen, yes. Nigel, you could have been watching videos on YouTube. Yeah, I was too busy. I rewatched the whole 20 race for this quiz. <laughs> too busy stabbing Alvin's <laughs> dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who holds the race lap record at the Istanbul Park Circuit? Race lap? The fastest Adam. lap, you mean? Fastest lap oh. done in the race, so it's not like the fastest qualifying lap. Adam. Adam. Going to Lewis Hamilton. It's wrong. I'm going to go for Alonso. It's wrong as well. Mm. Good shot. Adam. Adam. Weather? No. Montoya. Yeah, it's Montoya. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember now when Montoya said well, that really remember, fast lap. I don't remember that, but I kind of, <laughs> I remember for the period kind of from when I started watching for a while, there were Montoya was in this one. Weren't breaking, break, people weren't breaking fastest laps. Come yeah, on, like, lap was, record. I think it was set in the first Grand Prix there. Um, yeah, it would have been. But equally, I, would have, shocker. I wouldn't have ever gone for that. I don't think he was around for the 2006 race. I think he'd he, only been sat yeah. by McLaren. Yeah, he did yeah. after season. He went, he's like, yeah, I don't want to be here. So they said, go. Um, yeah, Pedro de la Rosa isn't there. He did well, <laughs> Pedro de la Rosa. Um, anyway, question four. 
this is a hard one. Um, sorry. Um, what is the nickname given to Turn 11 at Istanbul Park? Adam. Adam? Oh, Red Bull Court. No. What does that it begin 12. with? It begins with F. A lot of words are just coming to my head. <laughs> uh. Angry Nigel's back. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you a clue if you want, because it's a really hard one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a pun on a famous corner in Formula One on another track. Famous corner. A famous corner. It's not called famous corner. Is that your guess? <laughs> I can... Because it's not that famous a corner, this corner. I remember the start, I think. Give it to yourself. Don't want to give it to Nigel, because I, I could give it away. Mm. Right, got so you've got Farm at Silverstone. So it's not that. You've got... There's nothing at Monza. Fun fact uh, Freddie, about while we're waiting for mine and Adam's answers, why don't you pump the podcast a bit? I was going to do that. I was going to also say, when you said Monza, what some people did call Turn 8 was um, Diabolica um, <laughs> uh, in the first few years there, but I think that's just because they found it hard. Um, the podcast, you can find the podcast on at F one on Twitter. You can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Acast, Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube. I've got a Twitter AvFredCoats1999. Nigel's is at Nigel C. Journo and Adams is at Adam Dickinson 01. Please, please love us. Um, do you guys have an answer yet? No, I think you went through that a bit quickly. Okay. Is it Fangio or Farina? Or... Don't it's think... not. Neither of those. It's not named uh, after a driver. No. I, I, Do you want me I to can, tell you the corner and then you can try and it. guess what it is and see who mm. buzzes in quickest? Yes. The corner it's named after is Eau Rouge. Adam. Adam. Is it Faux Rouge? It is Faux Rouge. I knew it was fake. I was thinking in English, fake something and I couldn't remember what it was but Faux yeah. Rouge <laughs> <laughs> it's good Faux Rouge I quite like it yeah <laughs> is, it, is that real Faux yeah Rouge. it's real yeah <laughs> what I, Jonathan I Lagarde said on the coverage when I rewatched the 2010 Grand Prix Lagarde. in revision <laughs> for this quiz it was a lot of revision <laughs> oh man my dog is angry at you as he always is um, okay question number five Currently, it's 3-1 to Adam, I think, if I've marked it correctly. Um, I have. Um, the 2011 race was a record-breaking Grand Prix. Not only was it the final ever Turkish Grand Prix until, in, until on Friday, um, it, was, um, also, it also had the Sunday. most pit stops the ever. The race is on Sunday. It also had the most pit stops ever for a dry race. How many? There's a lot. There's like four pit stops on average. Adam. More than four, yes. Mm. <laughs> mm, 89. Oh, it's close. Yeah. It's in that region. I think it's about 86. Oh, it's also close. It's closer. Adam. Adam. 87. Oh, he's gone the wrong way. 84. Oh, no. Oh, he's gone the right way. Adam. He's still wrong. Adam. Adam. 85. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Do what you said, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
dear. What did you say, Nigel? Say it. 82. No, it's wrong. Adam, 83. Adam. No, it's wrong. 81. No. 80. Yay. 80. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the most ever pit stops in a Grand Prix is 88, and that was in the 2011 Hungarian Grand Prix, but that was wet, so that's different. Mm. Um, Button's got the record for the most stops for a win. That's six. Canadian Grand Prix, yeah. Fun fact, for no points, who has the record for the most stops in a race? It's seven. Adam. No, similar. Prost. Yes, 1993 Donington. Yeah, um, yeah that was a race up. Yeah. This yeah. is not a close quiz. Adam is on four, Nigel is on I, one. But maybe Nigel I don't know how much I deserve a point for that, to be honest. It's just guessing numbers. Well, it's getting the into the rouge ball one. I gave you the answer for that as well. Um, but that's the way the cookie has crumbled today. Okay. Um, so this is an easy one. Um, two took his first ever pole and victory in 2006 at the Turkish Grand Prix. Adam. Adam. Philippe A. Massa. Yes, it was Philippe A. Massa. Now Adam's tally has a line through it because he's got five points. And Woo! Nigel needs to get every question to bring it to the tiebreak question, which I need to write. <laughs> no, you won't. Might, all right. Might your something... tiebreak questions are always fantastic. So, be like, what, you know. what, what does turkey go well with? And if you don't say cranberry sauce or something, you lose. Chips. Um, chips. Fair. Um, <laughs> oh, no, one of them. Yeah. Sebastian Vettel made his Grand Prix weekend debut in 2006 at the Turkish Grand Prix when BMW Sauber ran a third car on Friday for both practice sessions. What position did he finish in FP2? Nigel. Adam. Nigel was heard first. 15. No. Oh, I was going to go 14. No, it's, 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 um, it's a notable position. Last. No. Second to last. No. Um, 69. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a notable Don't position. Don't stoop so low with this podcast. <laughs> it's a notable position. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, tell me I'm wrong. It's correct. It's wrong. And it wasn't second to last either, Nigel. You guys are definitely going the wrong direction. You can't Adam. be first. I was about to call. Sorry. Yeah. Adam. First? It was first, yes. What? He was first in his second ever Formula One practice. Hmm. In, in 2006. I've got another fun fact. Pretty good. That's unbelievable. That's very good. The, don't he, say it, it might be a question. Well, I'm um, going to say it anyway. He got the quickest ever penalty in an F1 career. Well, <laughs> good thing you've won the quiz, isn't it? What was that for, Adam? Uh, I was just question eight. What two records did Vettel set that Adam. weekend? <laughs> One still stands to this day. <laughs> the quickest <laughs> ever penalty in an F1 career. <laughs> just feeding in the pit lane. <laughs> he got it like... 15 seconds into his F1 career or something like that. It was nine seconds into, his, into the session. And he, got, he went 64 kilometers an hour. What was the other record? It's a two-part question. Uh, Topped an FP2 session. Yeah. No, nah, people had done that before him. First oh, really? rookie. People had topped FP2 sessions. First rookie <laughs> to top a first session. Um, no. Uh, first vessel to race in F1. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, he didn't race actually. Um, it was a practice. 
You gave I've me a look no at get in the bin, Freddie. First German to like do something. No, Schumacher was on that Grand Prix weekend, mate. Um, <laughs> first German to do something. It's <laughs> <laughs> up to 2006. Germans had done nothing. <laughs> Prior, prior to that, there. there'd be no moments in history at all. <laughs> they just Germany. sat there, and the vessel did that in 2006, and then they mobilised, mobilised as a country, and just started doing things, and then they've never looked back. I mean, I'll give the point to Adam because he got the first bit. It was um, he was the youngest person ever at that point to take part in a Grand Prix weekend. He was 19 years and 53 days old. Obviously, oh, that yeah. one doesn't stand today. Um, no. So, question: You've got two questions left. Um, they're pretty quick fire ones, so we'll wrap them up quick. Question nine. On what lap did Vettel crash into Mark Webber in 2010? Uh, Sorry, Adam. I didn't shout my name. <laughs> uh, 43. Oh, it's close. Oh. Nigel, Nigel, 42. Oh, it's closer. Adam. Adam. 41. Nigel, you could get a 40. point. 40. Yay. Um, Nigel got a exciting. point for a guesswork question. <laughs> Another guesswork question. Lewis Hamilton in one of his most memorable GP2 races at Turkey in 2006 in the sprint race, where he dropped to a particular position at the back from second, but then drove back up to finish second. 22nd. No. What position did he drop to? Uh, 24. No. I don't even know if there are 24 drivers in the race. Well, it was not lower. It was higher than that. Oh. Why are these just guessing questions? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought you were getting quicker. Did someone say 16th? No. Did oh. somebody say just <laughs> Adam. Adam. 16th. Yes, it's 16th. Wow. I genuinely oh. thought you had said 16th. No, I said Some of the questions in that quiz were good. Yeah. I did write it as I'd just woken up and my keyboard wasn't working, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Um, <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Again. Um, but yeah, so Adam takes the crown today. He is the turkey man. Nigel is not the turkey man. He's going to get doused in cranberry sauce. And that's it. That's it for our Turkish preview podcast. Um, we're going to look forward to the race because we're Formula One fans and yeah, see you afterwards for our race review podcast where hopefully you'll be discussing um, a McLaren on the podium, Antonio Giovinazzi shoving his head on the podium, um, the Renault's doing well, Haas in the points, George Russell not in the points, that's the bit I'm looking forward to. So thank you to Adam, thank you to Nigel, uh, thanks for joining for this podcast guys, have a good race weekend. Um, bye, 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 everyone. Bye. Cheers. Bye.